Welcome to Two Chicks Talk Writing. I'm Isabella. And I'm McGee. Welcome to our show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. This time, we're going to be talking about the shifting sands in publishing right now. So whether you're self-pubbed, you are traditionally published, or you're a combination of those things, otherwise known as a hybrid, we hope that uh, this discussion on the shifting sands of publishing will give you some other ideas and give you something to think about if you're, gonna, if you're thinking of publishing your own novel. Well, McGee, what do you think? Well, um, I would call myself a hybrid author. Um, as of this moment, I have no intentions of not self-publishing. I have no intentions of not sending works that I think fit with a publisher to a publisher. Um, I have a long running list of pros and cons of both ways. Um, and of course, as you say, it's shifting. You know, what was true five years ago is not true now. Um, you know, Amazon, man, they they have some slick stuff to self-publish, uh, to upload things, to do things, and they figure out how to make their money first, and the formulas keep changing, you know, Kindle Unlimited, is it a boon, is it a bane, you know, um, you know, I mean, as a first-time self-published author, KU was probably the only people that would start to read my book besides my, my friends and my relatives, but... Uh, you know, they already have the $10 subscription or whatever it is now. And so they could start my book. And if they hated it, they could just stop. It didn't cost them anything. So they'd give me a chance. Whereas a first time author and you're trying to promote them and you got to drop eight or 10 bucks on a book and it might stink, you know, you know, so I think uh, Kindle Unlimited does give us some, some opportunities, but I think it's really tough. Um, you know, as a business model, I don't know how a publisher would, would not uh, go, no, not <laughs> oh. oh, since I'm on the publisher side of this, I'm, I'm on that same way. I'm on both sides. Um, since I am on the publisher side of this, uh, when I started in 2010, uh, it was a different landscape. A new author could come out and publish a book and, and do well. There is a group of us who started out, uh, had a lot of success, did really well financially. And then um, Kindle came out with this KU, Kindle Unlimited. So Kindle Unlimited in the very beginning was super great. They paid you um, a certain amount of money if you made it to the end of the book. Now it's based on pages read. Mm -hmm. You could start to see why that might be problematic. And there are Kindle farms out there that uh, at the time you could hire people who would go in and download your Kindle Unlimited book and go from front to back. They didn't, it, it wasn't, had nothing to do with how many pages you went. It just measured from, did you get to the end of the book? And they paid them based on that. And then they, then you started to see some book inflation, which meant they started basically stuffing books with ads or materials in the center of books, you know, especially with page, when it, when it moved to pages read. So, uh, and, you know, as you said, some new writers get their start in Kindle Unlimited. 
and, and do really well. And some writers who don't get their work edited or don't get their stuff taken care of, uh, like maybe they should, don't care and throw it up there and devil be damned. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And for uh, sure, the early, early reputation from all of my ferocious reader friends was that eh, most of the stuff sucks, but you know, you hit a good one once in a while and eh, you know, people will think your book sucks if you put it there. And it's that ferocious reader that I needed to give me a chance. So, you know, well, once you have your foot in the door, how long do you leave that book on KU? When do you pull it off of there? I don't, you know, I don't know the answer to that. I think again, it's a shifting, shifting sand. So, you know, we've, we've used Kindle Unlimited um, a couple of times as a way to, in, to introduce uh, maybe a new series or get people interested in a series. Mm -hmm. uh, we did this with an author who was getting ready to release book five in the series. So we made the first book free and then we stair-step pricing until we got to the final price for the newest release. And it did really well. And she was so excited because she'd never been on the uh, Amazon bestseller list. And so she was super excited. She made the top 100, then she made the top 50, and then she made the top 10. And, you know, she, she um, was super excited. And is still, I think she said, I just talked to her the other day, I think she said she's still in the top 100. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's great. Uh, I think that... For some people, it's a shortcut in author building, brand building, mm -hmm. because, um, you know, and we'll probably talk about building an author brand. We'll yeah, do a right show now. on building right, an author write brand. Write it down right now. <laughs> yeah. What it takes to be, to build your brand. Um, there's a lot of social media. There's a lot of advice out there. There are a lot of quote unquote experts out there mm -hmm. who will take your money and tell you exactly what to do and you'll follow maybe 10% of it. And, and think, they still have oh, that your was, money. <laughs> and they still have your money and you'll think, what a waste. Yeah. Um, and I've seen Kindle come through several reiterations. You know, they, they did the whole try to monetize fanfic. Mm -hmm. And I think that really busted. Then now they have a new thing called Vela, which they're taking uh, kind of like uh, Kindle Unlimited, yet a little different. Hmm. So what Vela does is if you have serial content, mm -hmm. they're looking and it's similar to like a Wattpad or um, AO3, you know, things like that, the archive of our own, uh, where you put stories, chapters up. And so Amazon has this new service called Vela, and that's kind of what they're doing. And you put a teaser chapter up there, you get to read it for free. If you want to read the rest of the content, you have to buy tokens and pay tokens to buy, to read the rest of the chapters. Uh, it also can't be published anywhere else. So we see this in Kindle Unlimited. When you do Kindle Unlimited, mm -hmm. you can't publish that content anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And that means you can't be on Kobo. You can't be in Barnes and Noble. You can't be on Publish Drive. You can't be in a lot of, and you can't be on your own website. So if you want to try and sell it from your own website, you can't even sell your own book with Kindle Unlimited. Right. So Vela does the same thing. You know, they want you to have a cover. They want the books to be edited and they will take chapters, I think, anywhere from 600 words to, I think, 5,000 words per chapter. Hmm. And so uh, what you cannot do is if, let's say, you had a, a book 
and you wanted to monetize it, serialize it like that, and just upload chapter by chapter by chapter, you can't do it. Vela restricts that. It has to be all brand new content. So I'm sure that there will be some nefarious character out there who will figure out how to take a book that they've already written and published and convert it to content that Vela will approve. Uh, my assumption is, and there's still not a lot out there uh, on how they plan to police it. My assumption is they'll probably have so, like a like a turn it in type of program that goes through and reads all the content mm -hmm. and says, "Oh, look, this book is just like this book. You either plagiarized it or you published it already. Take it down." I mm -hmm. think they'll probably do something like that. But yeah, uh, yeah Amazon's the big elephant in the room, and. Uh, you know, they've been able to control publishing and control authors and control content for a really long time. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not a huge Kindle Unlimited fan, mm -hmm. but I, you know, people want to do that. That's, you know, an option for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I guess um, looking at the number of publishing houses that you know, like, uh, you know, back when I was in college, there were like three lesbic, you know, type publishing houses. And then there was kind of an explosion. And a lot of them maybe somebody just, you know, like if I publish my stuff, I have a name for the publishing company, but I don't publish anybody else's stuff. Uh, and certainly the big dogs are down, you know, to the big five now, you know, as far as uh, publishing houses. So talk about some shifting sands. I mean, is it just people like me that like to hold the book and smell the paper when they read or? <laughs> yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, I was on a, um, I was watching a podcast where we were talking about how to bring new readers to the industry. And one of the things we have to realize is kids growing up today or, or young people growing up today have their books here mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and the content needs to be digestible on their phone and I think that that's why Wattpad and places like that do so well because they can read chapter by chapter you know wait till the next section shows up and then they're ready for it um, to actually sit down and read a book is an experience mm -hmm. is an immersion it's mm -hmm. the way you you immerse yourself it's one of the last, in my opinion, uh, it's one of the last few ways we still have a little bit of an interactive experience. And when I mean interactive, I don't mean press this button, shoot that bullet, that kind of thing. It's the way we can get in and focus on a book, turn a page, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. make notes in it or underline it or dog ear it. And I know people are going to go, oh, God, you oh dog God. ear your pages. Yeah. Oh, my God, that's sacrilegious. <laughs> you know, um, they want to dog ear their favorite sex scene or a saying or something. Uh, you know, it's the one place you can put a bookmark in there still and, and get off of technology. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But young people or younger people today don't, they've never read a book like that. Most people, I won't say everybody because we're going to get emails saying, I still read books and I'm, you know, 25 or 35 or 45. Uh, and I think that 
you know, we have to embrace that that's kind of how technology is changing. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I have a, a stack of to be read piles, not on my Kindle, but next to my bed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I have to say, kind of being on the other end of that age spectrum and approaching that, I love being able to change the font size. <laughs> Because I opened some of these books, and I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. Now, my wife reads off of her iPhone all the time, and she's like, well, I don't, I don't see why you don't. I'm like, because by the time I read three words, you know. <laughs> I'm on the next page. <laughs> I'm on the next page. Yeah, so, yeah, so, uh, you know, so we laugh about that. But uh, that there are definitely, you know, for people who have visual uh, issues and stuff, you know, you can change the contrast, you can change the colors of the you know, the ink. I mean, I, I can't stand it when I open a web page and the dark background and the lettering's in white or yellow. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? Who the heck oh, yeah, that's, this? You know? <laughs> that's so, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. Get beyond that. Let's clean that puppy up. It's, but you just can't even read it. So I just, you know, and uh, and some of the options now, you know, to go to audio. I mean, this is another shifting sandwich. And maybe we'll talk about audio books. So, you know what, let's, I wonder if we could debunk a few myths. Readers will say, well, I want to read the, you know, I want to, I want to see if I'm going to like the book. And if I don't like the book, you know, then I have to, if I have to pay for it, then I'm going to be really upset because maybe I won't like the book. And I always write back and say, you know, there is this tiny little feature on Amazon called peek inside the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You can peek inside the book. Right. Yeah. Um, and I see a lot of reviewers sometimes slam authors because they didn't like their writing style or it should have been edited or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times you can save yourself a lot of money and headache and hassle if you peek inside the book. Mm -hmm. Amazon put that there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And you can peek inside that little puppy and see whether you like that book or not. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and, and Kindle Unlimited hurts our authors in a way that because you know we we upfront the costs to publish a book the cover the editing the book design the ebook creation and all the little the proofing copy editing all of those pieces we upfront those costs because we're a publishing company we're a true publishing company mm -hmm. and so you know by the time we get a book to publish you know the author gets its royalties but unfortunately amazon depending on the market takes the biggest royalty mm -hmm. anywhere from 40 to 70 up to 70 plus percent mm -hmm. and so i wouldn't ask my dentist to work on my teeth for free if i leave them a good review, amazon yeah. review or a good yelp review mm -hmm. and i'll tell you why i would because i'm not necessarily <laughs> Sure, I would trust him to do yeah, the great. This is good enough. Got some super glue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. This looks good to me. You looks should be able good. to chew on that should, for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you yeah. should be able to chew on that for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yep. And then come back when you're ready to pay me. That's right. Yep. So I, I think that um, it, if you were to ask, how long does it take you to write a book? Shoot, months. I mean, because I'm doing lots of things in between, but, you know, some scenes you might research for two days before you get that paragraph, you know, sure. that you're trying to get just one bit of information for. So, 
Sure. Um, yeah, I would say at the least two months and probably typically for me, four to six months per book. Yeah. So by the time you're, you've put all of those hours into your book and even, let's say, even at $9.95 for an ebook mm -hmm. and your, your royalty split, um, a lot of authors are probably making after they've, you know, if you tallied all your hours, if you put all your time in there, all your research, all the writing, rewriting, editing, all of that. And a lot of times authors are making a couple of bucks an hour. By the time you start to average out your costs and your time, you know, the average author is making about two bucks an hour. And then that's just average. Now, there are going to be some authors who are going to do super good, super well. Mm -hmm. They've written a lot of books. We call it the tale of the dog. You know, they, you go back and get their backlist, especially if mm -hmm. you just discovered that author. I think we've all done that. You know, yeah. found a book and read them and went, oh, my yeah. God, what other books do they have? I got to go check them out. Right, right. Um, but they take time, mm -hmm. you know, and it takes and, – and, if I had one thing to tell readers about the shifting sands in publishing, it's that Kindle has upended the market. And authors, and, and now I'm starting to hear authors who are on Kindle get off of Kindle because mm -hmm. they're not making as much as they did when Kindle first started. Right. There's only so much of the pie you can start to dole out. Exactly, because they take like 0. 0.0002 cents for each page read and when the entire Harry Potter series is on Kindle Unlimited and, you know, they read their, you know, bazillionth page or whatever, um, you know, it, it takes out of that pie. And at some point, like you say, when, when the deal starts to be bad enough for the authors, they're, they're going to take their toys and shift them somewhere else. You know, I did that there. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, you know, remember on Kindle Unlimited, it's, it's unlimited for Kindle, but it's limited for the author and that yes yeah you can't you can't go anywhere else you can't go on barnes and noble or you can't do smashboard or you can't do uh kobo or any of these other uh possible opportunities i you know ibooks uh well, i was, like was going to bring up smashwords because they were really kind of the the front edge on that they have their you know, their, their monster machine, you can upload your stuff into and it will format it. It'll be interesting to see how, if they can hang on long enough to be um, formidable against that as authors start to go, you know, uh, you expect a starving artist kind of in a way and people say, can you make money, you know, being an author? And I think the answers are qualified. Yes. Um, how much money do you think you need to make to, you know, um, to do this? And like you say, is a dollar enough an hour for you to feel, um, you know, what? And I think there's as many reasons as people write books as there are stories, you know, to be told. So um, I certainly yeah, you know, encourage not, people. You're not going to necessarily pay your mortgage, though, my friend. You're not going to pay your mortgage. <laughs> well, and some people, you know, who are on the food chain, higher up on the food chain, um, probably are doing better than others. And I think this is where branding comes into play and services like uh, Book Baby and other, you know, I mean, we're not even talking about those kinds of services. Can you, as part of Kindle Unlimited, be part of those? And, you know, I mean, and we'll talk about, I think that's, you know, more 
fodder for when we talk about author branding and stuff, because mm -hmm. those are all pieces to the author's toolbox that they should have in the toolbox. Mm -hmm. But we're talking about publishing right now. Mm -hmm. uh, we do see more people who are uh, publishing through different publishers, mm -hmm. putting books in different publishers. Uh, mm -hmm. We've had a couple of books from some of the bigger lesbic publishers come to us because those publishers said they wouldn't publish those books. Mm -hmm. And that goes back to that idea of, um, you know, publishers establishing what they do publish and what they don't publish. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's got a formula everybody's got a model that they try and follow. You know, I hear a lot of authors tell other authors, hey, write what you write. Mm -hmm. You do you, boo. Right, right, you know, you write right. what you write, boo, and, and, and don't let anybody influence you, and you write what you write. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's two, two things I don't understand, and I don't, I mean, not that I'm really judging it per se, but I don't, I don't understand people that try to chase the latest trend. I'm writing paranormal now. I'm writing vampires now. I'm writing this now. Whatever they think is the hot thing, you know, they're that's mm -hmm. what they write now. And I don't understand people that try to write vastly different types of books every time. And I guess maybe that's my wheelhouse because I don't have the skills to do that. But I feel like, you know, I've written five romance books, basically. They have different flavors, but they're you know, I love a cozy mystery. I couldn't write one to save my life. I am one of those who writes in different genres. Mm -hmm. uh, I like the freedom to be able to move between genres. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. um, I, I would say you have more skills than me too, just saying. <laughs> well, you're being really nice now. You're being really nice. Um, yeah, I think that um, chasing the genre is probably what's wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, you create, again, this kind of goes back to author branding and author, you know, establishing what your brand is, what you're known for. Um, you know, Karen Slaughter writes what Karen Slaughter writes. The mm -hmm. same book, just different characters, different ideas. You know, if you were to look at a J.R. Ward and the Black Dagger Brotherhood, you know what you're going to get when you pick up a Black Dagger Brotherhood. Mm -hmm. Sherilyn Kenyon uh, you know, when she, she writes in several different genres that I really love. Um, but you know what you're going to get when you pick up those books. Mm -hmm. That's not wrong. Um, it's what, it's the model that works for them. Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, again, you know, I get a lot of, I, I see it posted on Facebook all the time. Why do people try to tell everybody else what they should be writing? Why don't you just write what you want to write? Mm -hmm. So then this would be my question to them. If you just want to write what you just want to write, it's not a question anymore. Mm -hmm. Why are you asking it? It's right. what you want to write. Right, yeah. If you want to make money at this and you're polling everybody to see what's the biggest seller, mm -hmm. that's different. That's different, yeah. If, is it a hobby or is it a business? Mm -hmm. Could you build a business just writing sci-fi? There are going to be a lot of authors out there who tell you, yeah, because that's yeah. what they do. And they that's do it do. well. Yes. Yeah, that's what yeah. they do. They've yeah. built their brand. They've built their audience. They know where their audience is. They go to their audience and they focus on that. They know, but within that, within that sci-fi, they know what sells or they know what's, you know, mm -hmm. 
we're not going to get necrophilia, hi-fi, san, hi you know, sci-fi, you know, high-drama high sci-fi, necrophilia. It just, one, I, I don't even think it's a genre. <laughs> but it's a niche within a niche within a niche now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so I, I think that that's part of the shifting sands. There's one place where it has been an oasis all unto its own, in my opinion, and that's been romance. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are going to say, no, that's not true. That's not true. And I'm going to say, look at the top 10 books on Amazon right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look at the top 100 books on Amazon in lesbic and tell me what they are. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I will say all of them, mm -hmm. if not all of them, 99% of them have some type of romantic element in them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not dra drama. It's not, they all have some romance in them. They might be some different genres, but I will guarantee there's romance. You know, the people that are friends of mine that, you know, that read the Harlequin romance type of books, ferociously uh they read 10 books a month man you know they just crank through them. and the people who read just sci-fi or mysteries they might read six a year you know so mm -hmm. it's a numbers game there you know i mean are you going to sell to the person that buys one and say you might sell to every one of those boogers and you know that's great but just the the odds are not in your favor um well and i think that if you were to look at the top selling authors in our genre Hands down, they're romance authors. Mm -hmm. Hands down. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the, that's the one oasis in this shifting sand. It doesn't matter where you go, whether you self-pub, whether you're hybrid, or whether you're in with a publisher, because most publishing houses will tell you they want your romances. You know, some publishing houses will sign their author's romance books and be ex tell them they're exclusive to that publishing house just for that reason you know if you want to go publish a time travel book does it have a romantic element then it's ours if it's just a sci-fi time travel book then yeah we're probably not interested in it you know if it's if it's a historical fiction or mythology or something unless there's a romantic element yeah we might try it, but, you know, looking at the numbers, and there's lots of data out there. So it isn't, it has nothing to do with personality, it has everything to do with business, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's, uh, there's a reason most of the cars on the road all look the same. <laughs> there's that southern wisdom coming, floating right to the top, like the cream. Yeah. Join us next week as we finish our conversation on the shifting sands of publishing. And now a tip of the day from the writer's toolbox. You know, one, one tip I probably would give authors is get more than one beta reader and don't let it be your uncle Ralph or hmm. your aunt Susan or your cousin Teddy, you know, or get a, get a couple of beta readers and let them read your book, not, not your buddies, not your friends, because they don't want to hurt your feelings, but get at least two, maybe three. And oftentimes with beta readers, if it's a good beta reader, they'll ask, what am I looking for? Am I looking for plot holes? 
Am I looking for head jumping, head hopping? Am I looking for, you know, inconsistencies? What am I looking for? And you can give every beta reader kind of a, a task saying, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Can you look at this? Can you look at this? You know, make sure that the brown eyes don't turn into green halfway through the book, which happened to me in a book once. Oops. Uh, but, you know, get a good, get good beta readers. If you have something you want to hear us talk about, make some comments below. Check out our Two Chicks Talk Writing website at www.the2chickstalkwriting.com. You'll find all of our past podcast episodes there, as well as some tools and tips and freebies you can download. You can also check out our Facebook page, Two Chicks Talk Writing, and our Instagram at Two Chicks Talk Writing.